one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dowse. Thank you for doing me first. Scott. Of course, always, and Josh Brown. I've been mugged off big time, <laughs> right? Little do the people listening here know that we already did one take of this introduction where I was introduced first. A and real now, first contender. We go for the second take, yeah. and it wasn't even my fault, and yet, I know. Bears the brunt. I I have, have, hello, Scott Tilford. I have to McKenna. I slipped you a tenner, that's why you said my name Please first. do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slip me all the things. Speaking yeah. of slipping me all the things, no relation to what I'm going to go with this, but it's Game of the Year season, I feel, because we're halfway there towards the overall Games of the Year 2022, so we thought we'd do some categories for the halfway mark, including our personal Games of the Year, most disappointing, most underrated, slash hidden gem, best gaming moment of the year so far, and our most anticipated for the rest of the year. Now, I just think we'll dive in with the obvious elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about the rest of the stuff as we go, which is to say that El Elden Ring is absolutely dominating the discussions later in the year. It'll dominate all the game of the year so far stuff. And we kind of knew it when that game dropped. It hasn't really been an energy around a game since like Breath of the Wild, where it was immediate. It was like, this is clearly going to be games game of the year. Now, it's not my personal game of the year. I think it kind of is, to be honest. But I just, it's so obvious that I want to find something else that it gets up there. But nothing else is close. I was genuinely shocked that you didn't put Saifu, Sifu on Sifu. your, as your, I always get that mixed up. I'll I don't know, no one's ever called it Saifu. As well. I it sounds cool. You though. know when you get something in your head when you see something like written down and dark then you side. pronounce it. Yeah, dark side. Dark side. Yeah, then you pronounce it in your head, and then you get told the correct way, and yet you still pronounce it the incorrect way. Anyway, Jules called him Gerald is, for about five years. I so still it's fine. do it. You I, do, don't you? I've played The Witcher three like hundreds of hours. Play The Witcher two. Love watching videos on it. Still yeah. go to a voiceover booth and go Gerald, Gerald and Jennifer. Uh, it's yeah. not their name. What was I going to say? Yeah, Sifu, Saifu. I've done it again. Doesn't yep. matter. That game. I'm surprised that you haven't got is your number one. Well, so I wrote some stuff down. I put Elden Ring brackets ofs, and then, because that's just a foregone conclusion, which I think you guys should talk about Elden Ring a little bit more um, than me, and then I also just threw down some other ones. So my other ones were Sifu, Triangle Strategy, and I put Pokemon Arceus down 
Um, but we can get back to them because I mean, also for um, just to reel everything off, and we'll get back to stuff. Um, Josh, your other games of the year were Horizon Forbidden West. You had Seafood on here as well, and Tunic, and then Mr. James Dowse, You just put Elden Ring, I which is how, couldn't think of any more. How big of a deal that, that game is? How perfect that game was. Exactly. We should talk about um, Elden Ring. Pretty much taking it. Like, do you think this will be the game of the year uh, when uh, more outlets start weighing in? I think there's only really God of War Ragnarok that might mm. be able to face yeah. off against it coming out uh, for the rest of the year, and that is certainly a contender. Mm-hmm. However, I do think it will just go to Elden Ring, but I kind of want to hear from James Doubts because yes. this is like your clear favorite. Like yes. You didn't have any other alternatives down. What makes this um, like the game of the year in your eyes to the point where it is uncontested at the moment? <laughs> so when I think of Elden Ring, I didn't want to go into it because it's uh, a Souls game and I'd never played mm. a Souls game before. Mm-hmm. And then I played it and then... Holy moly, it got me involved. <laughs> and now no game has ever made, because I guess uh, Souls is a genre in itself, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's made me want to buy every other Souls game. And like this week, I actually bought one through three because they're on sale on PlayStation at the minute. Nice. Show. And I was just like, no game has ever made me want to get involved with an entire franchise before, more than Elden Ring has. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I want to play Sekiro. I want to play... What else is it? Bloodborne. There's Bloodborne you know, there's, there's so the, many games. Yeah, you got the Demon's Souls remake and stuff if yeah. you want that. Um, I... It's a hell of a thing, because I think that whenever anyone goes through a Souls game, whatever your first Souls game is, tends to be your favorite. Like, I still adore Dark Souls 1, because um, that was my first one. I think there's something about exploring that world and those systems and putting up with all the BS and then overcoming it and everything mm-hmm. um, that really sticks with you. However, I do think Elden Ring is like the mecca of everything from software have made so far. Like, it is an astonishing accomplishment. Um, it's just it's just one of those games where I kind of I look at it. I had a phenomenal time with it. I just um, it's one of those things where it kind of it is an immaculate version of Dark Souls in an open world, mm-hmm. done so well. But I kind of just wanted a little bit more from it for it to be my my personal game okay. of the year. And um, that's not really to knock it though. I do think it is worthwhile as game of the year. But um, Josh, why is it up there for you? Um, because I had the exact same feeling I had playing it as I did playing Red Dead Redemption Two, where Ooh. in the moment I thought this is great, and the more I play Played. The more memories I banked almost, the more I mm. realized it was something special. And now, months away from it, like it's still all I want to think about and all I want to talk about. You know, I put 120-ish hours into the main campaign for my first run. And then I went and did uh, all of the New Game Plus and New Game Plus Plus to get the Platinum Trophies. <laughs> and then I was so ecstatic when you two were like, I need help beating a boss. I was like, I will jump in. I'm not sick of this game. I want to consume more. I just think, uh, yes, obviously it is building off the games that came before, but it is using that crude knowledge and experience to deliver something genre-defining, something Mm -hmm. potentially generational, generation-defining. And it is no matter how many people hype it up or how high your expectations are, I think it meets it as long as you're prepared to meet it in regards to its uh, mechanics and like how demanding it is. I think as long as you understand what you're getting into, like James Dowse did, you know, it opens your eyes not only to this game, but an entire subgenre of oh, games yeah. now. Uh-huh. I think as well, like the way, like, if I talk about, like I always get so up my own a-hole about how like new ideas that games have. And like, I think it's easy to look at this and go, oh, you know, they're just trading the Dark Souls formula. Mm-hmm. It's another Dark Souls thing. However, the, the, the real new thing that this does, I think is in the map reveals, is in the way that they treat 
read their like the literal map reveal it gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time and how every little part of the um, little semblances of narrative that are in here all overlap with each other anyway and you're moving NPCs around the world maybe you trigger something in one place that moves someone somewhere else and you find out later that you actually set that thing in motion like 50 hours later or something and the fact that I was able to find um, the underworld uh, like the whole realm or whatever of Nokron yeah. in like 10 minutes and then you found it after like 50 hours and it's like stuff like that where you can just stumble into these insane secrets um, that are so rewarding and like I love all the multiplayer stuff I love the drop in stuff, drop in drop out stuff I love the summoning um, and like yeah you helped me on like a lunch break once where you just beamed in and helped me beat a boss and we'll talk more about that stuff later but all those things are why it is an incredible package overall one of my um, when I know a game is special it's, it's when I enjoy it enjoy talking about it to friends as much as I do playing it and there are a handful of games that, that have, that's happened with in the past you know uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 like I said Death Stranding and this was one of those like mm. I didn't want to talk about it initially because of spoilers I didn't want that spoiled but afterwards we, we all completed it I love talking to you Scott about how you stumbled across that underworld uh, thing you know really quickly I love talking <laughs> to you Douse about how you spent like a week of your life trying to beat the Elden Beast you know stuff like that those stories like so personal Personalized, despite it yeah. obviously being, being a game and everyone getting the same content, mm-hmm. no two people, I think, get the same through-line experience of that game, and that's just incredible. Yeah. S- see, I've not had a game where I couldn't wait to... I think it was you I messaged first, where when I fe- uh, first beat Margaret, was that the first boss? Yeah, yeah. yes. I messaged you. I'd never once <laughs> been like, I need to tell somebody. Right, yeah. After a game moment... And that was it. But it's because it feels like genuine achievement. I think yeah. that's like, they put yeah, you in yeah, such yeah. a specific pocket. And obviously, like, it, it, you know, they've been trying this stuff for a long time. Demon's Souls, Demon Souls 2009. They want to put you in a, in a pocket of like, oh my God, this is so annoying mm-hmm. and infuriating and whatever. And over the years, they've gone back and forward on how much do they help you overcome this stuff. And obviously in Elden Ring, um, you know, you can always summon people in, but in Elden Ring, they'll give you the summons themselves, like NPC, AI summons to help you. Um, but it's still quite hard. And like, it's still a very like tough game. And um, obviously it's, you can get more, used to it if you've played the other games and stuff but I think that they nailed that little pocket they put you in where it's just infuriating to a point but you have so many options but it still feels like you're overcoming something and it still feels like a personal achievement I think that's why all this stuff works to like a next level degree like you're not just you know beating a boss you're kind of getting better as like yeah. a person as a player or something it's like well I managed to do that like it's a literal personal achievement Yeah. Um, so I think that stuff all elevates it um, in terms of other things to throw in here we should talk about Sifu because it's on me and Josh's list um, what, what was it about Sifu for you that knocked it up? Because I've talked a lot about Sifu. I think it was just the tightness of the um, production, essentially. Mm. You know, I was, I was playing that during Horizon Forbidden West, which is also on my shortlist there. It and it was good enough to make me stop the latest Sony AAA blockbuster game <laughs> so I could just live and breathe uh, Sifu for a little bit. And I, there was just, I just think there is a tightness, a certain sense of polish to that game that makes it this, like, just, like fighty little package. It's like learning a martial art. Like, it's so strong. Yeah, like, the learning curve of it generally is great to uh, master. Like, Mm. the depth to it is incredible. Like, the level design is really striking. I just think that's a great little game you can give anyone who's a fan of action and go, enjoy this, you know, enjoy this for 15 hours or yeah. more if you want, uh, have a go at that. You know, and it is really, it is like really tough and unrelenting, but like it does make you just think like, okay, just literally study the animations. Like like a Soulsian lesson. Like it's so, okay, what is coming at you? What are your options? Can you duck it? Can you jump over something? Can you use a weapon? Can you do whatever? Like you do get better the more you kind of relax and feel it through. And it, it is like learning, like learning a martial art or learning an instrument and like learning to let go of frustration and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it only pays 
pays off the more you play it. Like I've played through that game a lot. Um, and like there's all the hidden story stuff that's in there. I've mentioned all these in older podcasts and everything, but I think as a refined package, it, it only rewards you the more time you put into it. Um, and Slow Clap have put a lot more um, content out there as well. There's some extra skins, there's some other arena modes, and there's more stuff um, coming out across the summer and everything. Um, so yeah, Sifu, I think, um, might be some outlets game of the year. And it's the thing that's the closest to my personal game of the year. It's just that it doesn't fully blow me away like Elden Ring does. Um, but yeah, the other things I had down with Triangle Strategy, just want to quickly shout that out as literally the best written um, RPG under the Square Enix banner in like, I don't even know, like 20 years, like a single player thing. Um, it's just been so long. And I think that game does a great job of men, um, melding Game of Thrones style setup, like factions and all this different, uh, all the wars um, that are going on, all the different, um, you know, different wants and needs, of all these different people and all the backstabbing that goes on. It's very Thronesy and um, with a really cool, tight grid based combat system. I just want to shout that thing out. I think it's incredible. That was my COVID game. That's what I lived on right, when I, had, right. when I had, the, had Big Vid. And so I want to shout that out. Pokemon Arceus, I've got down um, as an incredible time. Oh. Mr. James Douse did a sharp <laughs> inhale, though. I disagree, but carry on. I <laughs> I mentioned that specifically because um, I don't think you had it down as your most disappointed or anything. No, no. But I, I mean, the thing is, I initially did have it on my most disappointing. I said to Josh before we were recording, it would be funny if I had it on my game of the year list and most disappointing yeah, yeah. because it is incredibly disappointing. The textures look horrendous. Yeah. That game was very much kicked out the door yeah. um, before Game Freak had time to sort of really spend any time in the environments. But I do love what they did deliver. And it, I think it's an incredible set of gameplay loops um, that just took me over for a few days. That's I have a I was on my disappointed one because right. I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's like all hell. old school, um, you know, like sort of feudal Japan, Edo, Edo period Japan with Pokemon. It's just a great visual combo. But yeah, so those are all the um, the game of the year stuff. Although, Mr. JB, you had Tunic. Oh, yes. Oh, I just kind tunic. of want to shout that out again because, you know, since finishing that game, it has left a, a, a warmth in my heart. Uh, <laughs> it is a beautiful game. It's absolutely one of the games that will surprise me the most this year, no doubt. Like, it's that isometric, RP, classic RPG style mm. that I don't usually go for. Action adventure with a little, sweet little fox in a, <laughs> in a, in a nice little tunic, you yeah. know, with a sword and a shield and stuff, and it's great. But there's just a sort of um, depth and complexity to that game that I, that I loved. It is way more than meets the eye and I know that's a bit of a cliche in uh, journalistic terms I've definitely overused that <laughs> in the past myself but this one definitely justifies that phrase because it just keeps getting deeper and deeper the more you scratch at the surface uh, quite literally in mm. terms of the level design but also in the secrets that are in that world and I just think that if you like that type of game like you absolutely need to play I it. think it's, it's a game incredible. for gamers as well like yes. if you grew up with instruction booklets and like old school like the whole way the genres have formed over the years and the way that storytelling has evolved over the years, it's one of them. You're better off just going in not knowing very much about it and let it blow you away. I have a question though, JB. Has it turned your mind on animal protagonists? And will you be going forward enjoying all sorts of animal protagonists that usually you'd run away from? Maybe, but also I might just kind of put them in a cage instead. No. And I would never yeah. do that to a real animal, but animal protagonists, like... You take Ori out of that cage. <laughs> will right not. now. He, he is in the cage that is my cupboard, that is my Xbox um, <laughs> digital archive, I'm afraid. Can't stand it. Five years in we are on me telling you to play Ori. I think that was the first time. I think it was. Back in the day, we should uh, pivot into the most disappointing games of the year, though. Uh, Mr. JB, you had Dying Light 2. I had Ghostwire Tokyo and Horizon Forbidden West. And Mr. James Dows, you had Gran Turismo 7 and Lego Star Wars. Let's talk about Lego Star Wars. Uh, that right. game was a whole mess of a thing. So, it, mm, it or wasn't, is it though? It wasn't. Mm. I think it was good. Uh -huh. I appreciate it. What was it? Nine games that fit into one. Yeah, nine game main saga in itself. Yeah. 
But growing up with the originals back in what two thousand five or so, I think the first one was it was something like that. Yeah. So when we was children, basically, Mm -hmm. um, the games were great. But playing them now, I realise that I'm older, and it just feels like. (laughs) The game, w- the game is for kids, though, isn't it? Yeah. And I realise. I love you realising this about like <laughs> the aging process. <laughs> kids all along. <laughs> but like, I'm playing it now, and I'm just like, this is very easy, very bare bones, and very just like, oh, a kid would love this. Yes. But not me. I had a similar, like, equally ridiculous realization because I think I like how much they've done with it. I like that if you play as a melee character, it has the Arkham combat. I like if you play as a, a blaster shooter character, they have a really, really simplified version of cover shooting. Yeah. Um, but even then, and again, it's because it's for three-year-olds, but they aim assist too much. They make it so there's not really any challenge or anything tactile to really engage with. And, and the game nigh on plays itself, which the Lego games always did. Um, so I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. I sort of got it going like, cool, they've actually made a game here. It's not just yeah. push buttons. Um, but then it is a bit too simple. Probably insane to criticize a Lego Star Wars game <laughs> for being for children, but just saying, if they're going to go down that route and they could have fleshed it out a bit. Gran Turismo 7, where'd you come down yeah, on that? Uh, that was very, once again, very up its own ass, I felt that game. Can I say that? <laughs> oh, it can. That's, that's classic Gran Turismo, yeah, isn't it? it Always. Was, yeah, yeah. Like the opening cutscene, what goes on for 50 years, where he's <laughs> just saying about how Gran Turismo evolved and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to race. But oh, I love that the stuff. thing, like, the actual racing though was stellar. Like it was mm. great and how it, um, with the 3D audio, with the controller, with the haptics and stuff, phenomenal. But it was just dull. It really, <laughs> I adore racing games. Like right. uh, Forza Horizon is my favorite franchise uh, currently. Uh, Motorsport, I played them all. Gran Turismo, I grew up with on PS2. And once again there, it felt cool to play it back then. But now it just feels like it's so. It's very Top Gear. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just I know what you mean. It's, it's it's very stuffy, but like it just yeah, it loves itself, and it's just like you talk to people, like go to the cafe and talk to this fella. I'm like, no, I just want to race, man. I know mm. you mean. It's like you 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 know it it will never do this because this is it's its own USP. But you kind of mm. just want to go like loosen up, man. Like yeah, like loosen up a bit. Let yourself yeah. let your hair down for once yeah. in a while. Gran Turismo, do something wild just once. Yeah. Part of me does. I I love that stuffiness, that whole cafe thing. I love how up their own ass they are because it okay. is what distinguishes Polyphony from any other death. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we've almost been spoiled by how immediate Forza Horizon is mm-hmm. and how like just incredibly fast. And like I said, it's a media. Like in Forza Horizon's case, here's a supercar. Here's some crazy stunts. Yeah. Here's all this stuff. And that's never what Gran Turismo was. But at the same time, um, like you said, if you just want to have a racing game, that they're gonna make you sit there and watch the entire. It's like mm-hmm. waiting for the YouTube advert to finish before you can go yeah. to the next thing. It's like you're gonna have to sit and go through this yeah. before you can get to the main that, uh, meat of it. And that tutorial goes on for hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, all the license tests. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. Um, <laughs> this is a weird um, problem, but like music-wise, mm. the original ones had like feeder and. Oh, well, Fido, I can't think of any more. When you got just today, mate, you don't yeah, know Just today, it had an amazing soundtrack. But yeah. this one, it just, I don't even forget how it sounded. The Cardigans on Gran Turismo 3? Yeah. yeah. What, what did this have? This had Bring Me the Horizon covering a song from the original Gran oh, Turismo. There you, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. There you go. But that's, yeah, I know what you mean, though, in terms of like how memorable those original ones yeah. were. Um, this is the only one I've played since like GT4, I think. Um, and I had fun with it, but I didn't keep on it. Like I kept on Horizon for a bit. I think that game keeps you going with better loops and stuff. Yeah. I would like, I, I, I like Gran Turismo 7, you know, I gave it a good review, still mm. stand by that, still jump into it um, now. I just think the problem with the franchise as a whole is that it takes so much time between games that I don't think is yeah. justified. Yeah. If we got 
games like this turned around quicker, if there was a shorter gap between Gran Turismo 5, Gran Turismo 6, Gran Turismo 7 and stuff, I think I'd be kinder to it, but you would just mm. expect more when a, when a franchise disappears for this amount of time. And I know they did sport in between, they support that for a long time, but you'd, at least I do. You know, I, I expect more when a yeah, Gran Turismo yeah. game comes around. I expect it to be like cutting edge. And don't get me wrong, like, like James said, you know, there are a lot of great features, great next gen features in this game, like the haptics, like the, you know, density of the car visuals, but mm. then there are also a lot of things that let it down, like, you know, the the graphics on the tracks so or the textures mm. on the, uh, the the audience and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of just yeah. like, it's good, but you haven't justified the weight for me. There was that weird thing as well where in the pre-release, and it is in the game, they were like looking, thinking of ways to sort of do the next level of graphical technology, and it was Polyphony saying that they'd studied realistic cloud patterns so that wherever you were yeah. racing, it brings in the weather data or whatever. I was like, I'd, I've never, get, that's not going to mean anything to me racing a car. Like, it's cool you did it, but you're not a flight simulator. Like, I, I don't know. With PlayStation's racing games, I think they should have just carried on with Drive Club. Honestly, Drive Club yeah. was one of the best racing games I've ever played. It's very life. solid. I had the weather effects and stuff. Yeah, I didn't play very fantastic. much of that game. But yeah. yeah. No, not really. I'm, I like my game, my racing games to be arcade racing games or give me power-ups, give me okay. something. Like, I love Wreckfest because it's like physics-based, but you can slam dudes off the corners when you fly right. around and they go pirouetting through like a sign mm-hmm. and everything splinters apart. Give me that. Right. Or give me burnout or give me inertial drift or whatever. So the more the more realistic ones where it's like, you're just driving a Peugeot 206 around right. a court. Like, yeah, cool. But I've been doing this for 20 years. Like, I needed to have a little bit more to okay, it. Yeah. Um, so Forza Horizon kind of does that because it's more arcadey or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, overall, though, Mr. Josh Brown, your most disappointing was Dying Light 2. Oh, dude, I've just finished this recently. And even though I didn't play Dying Light 2 for a long time, obviously it came out in March or mm-hmm. whenever it did, maybe even February. And that was intentional because I wanted <laughs> to give it the time of day. I didn't want to mm-hmm. stuff it between Horizon and Elden Ring and all mm-hmm. of those big games. I wanted to etch out some time and properly jump into it. And I have never regretted something more <laughs> in my life than dedicating myself is it, is it? to this game. It's very days gone in right. terms of uh, what you're doing, but I don't think it's even on the level of Days Gone mechanically. So obviously with this sequel, it's been like seven years since the last game and they've essentially just tried to make it as big and as ambitious as possible. But in doing so, for me, it lost what made the original Dying Light so special, which was its identity and its kind of mm. tightness in terms of its world design and how compact and dense it was. This time around, like the world is so much bigger uh, that you're not even doing the central thing all that much, which is, you know, parkouring and killing zombies. Mm. So much of the main story missions, so many of them, uh, like, don't even concern zombies at all. You're just fighting dudes with, like, hammers, and it's like I'm playing Condemned Criminal Origins, and it's the same kind of enemy types over and over again and it just almost doesn't want to be like dying light like you know it's it's taken the base of the original game and it's tried to throw in Bethesda style RPG missions like choices and the narratives branching pathways which faction will you join and then on top of that like I said it kind of sidelines the zombies in the main campaign and makes you focus on like these human enemies mm. who aren't all that interesting to fight and it's just it, it, it's just bogged down with so much stuff it's it the first one Dis, like distinguish itself to me because it didn't feel like an Ubisoft open world and this feels way more like an Ubisoft open world and that was just it was disappointing it was a slog to get through it was one of the worst final bosses in a long long time you have to fight that dude like five times and there was a t- literally in the final level I shouted 
this is boring. I shouted at the television, this is boring. And I never do that. I never like get it animated. And yet I was making a fool of myself in my own home but how because many, it was mind numbing. How many, that's the thing, it mind numbing, it's stodgy. Like it was why you abandoned Far Cry 6. Like yeah. we played these games a million times. And when it's just, here's a bunch of stuff for like a hundred hours. Um, I'm going to roll my most disappointing in here as well. Cause it is Ghostwire Tokyo. And it just sucks because Ghostwire Tokyo has a great setup. And I love the prologue comic. I love the whole, I love anything about Supernatural detectives and give me anything set in Japan. And so like, it's just this great like idea of this whole underworld of demons and this idea of this person who's gone missing and trying to figure out what's up, whatever's going on um, with this sort of um, twisted demonic version of, um, it starts in like Shinjuku and uh, in Tokyo, but it's a one of those. It's a one of those stodgy Far Cry games where it's just go to this phone booth and hoover up a bunch of um, spirit tokens and then go do like all these just stodgy filler mission design that gets so far away from why you're there. Like it has really good production values and really good looking characters. Um, it's the game that had like five graphic settings on it. <laughs> so I did spend 20 minutes going through all of them. Um, but yeah, that's that's my one. It's just like, I didn't, I never thought that was the game they were making right, in, the, right. in the run up to launch. I thought it would be way more story focused. Um, and because it's Tango Gameworks um, of evil, evil Within fame, I just thought that it would be as focused as an Evil Within was because the Evil Within series is still one of the most overlooked horror series of the last few years. So Ghostwire Tokyo, I just think there's a reason no one talks about it. And it's like, even for those of us who dove in, I haven't seen a single person talk about the story or finishing it or even barely even playing it. It's yeah. just a bunch of stodge. Same with Dying Light, man. I think, not to speak for you, but the mm. reason that these games go on like most disappointing rather than worse is because there are el phone mm. elements in there. Yeah. Like Dying Light 2 has one of the best drop kicks in video games. <laughs> and it's infuriating that a game with a drop kick so good is so boring yeah. because it's incredible and it's like if you could just like like spread out that five second animation mm. of pure joy into a full game you would have had something <laughs> but instead that's all I've got F five seconds of a good drop kick in a 30 hour game like, um, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo has this cool thing where you're sort of pulling demonic cores out of the demons to kill them and you have different strands that come out of your fingers so you're twisting it around um, kind of like that old art form where people twist wool and stuff it's a thing I've seen do it in movies and TV shows and you do that but then it's the same animation every time you're going to kill something and it just becomes this repetitive, like I said, it's this stodge of game design that should just work. Um, but I've seen the, the like, people who have got a bit further in the story on the Ghostwire Tokyo Reddit have said that it kind of does just, just devolve over time anyway, that it just feel like it was at some point they just severed the developer development and just kind of got it out there. Right. And what is there is polished enough, but it's very much bloated. And I feel like that's maybe just the case, that it was one of those things where the um, Bethesda deal went through and it was like, okay, we don't need, need to bother with this PlayStation exclusive anymore. Um, let's just get it out. Maybe the one who is uh, Horizon, um, which to be super quick on that, um, is not necessarily an, over, an overarching most disappointing game um, but it's a lot of game and hardly any story and I feel like they focus on the, this thing that um, wasn't the most interesting part of Horizon which was all about the, the mystery and what was going on in, under the uh, world itself and everything and Forbidden West is just it's fine it's solid <laughs> I can spend time in it but I just sort of played it going like yeah every bit of this is expected um, and it didn't have as many twists and turns as the original one did and I think we mean Josh did a video on its biggest missed opportunity 
um, which is one of the things that could have been one of the coolest reveals that instead is just a big old wet fart. So I'll put Horizon in there too as just a kind of another sort of, here's a bunch of content game that just feels very aimless. And I don't think that they nailed the beats of the original in a, in a good enough way to continue that uh, franchise. Um, we can pivot though into most underrated slash hidden gems, which is to say that James Douse loves a bit of the old Pac-Man museum. Uh, I think I do. I think um, you do. <laughs> so my... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How do, how do I phrase this? My fetish with gaming. Interesting. <laughs> you had is to gobble gobble. Yeah. I adore rubbish arcade games. And I don't mean rubbish as in terrible. I mean like just games that I can just turn my head off. And just like <laughs> Tetris 99 I've been playing recently. Okay. I can just turn my mind off and just play it. Mm-hmm. So you get the Pac-Mans, you got the Trials games, for example. Yes. That's another one, whatever-ish. Mm-hmm. But either way, Ish. so I've been playing Pac-Man a lot because it's on Game Pass. Um, and if you ignore the input lag, which is a massive issue, it's actually quite a lot of fun just Great. going through all these Pac-Man games. And it's just like, this is just fun. Oh, like, so the whole thing, like it's an archive of, of all of them yeah, in, in just, a row. There's like 20 years, no, probably about 15 or so Pac-Man games. Oh. Just just infinite Pac-Man. As a Pac-Man novice, right? Yeah. What differentiates all those Pac-Man games and how does that remain fun, James Douse, for the full um, duration? Well, I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. Um, basically, <laughs> you play as a 3D Pac-Man going around an arcade. Okay. And you just go up to an arcade machine and 
play Pac-Man. Gobble, gobble. Like, there's, no, there's no fancy to it. <laughs> you <laughs> talk about 10 <laughs> minutes to make <laughs> this game. <laughs> I'm so confused as to what this is. So you're, you're, you, you play as Pac-Man in a museum of Pac-Man games. Yes. Like, That's but, a menu, I would say. Interesting. Yes, but yeah. what, like, what differentiates those Pac-Man games? Because I know nothing Josh. apart from the original, yeah. yeah. But like, are they different levels? Are like, the different oh, no. styles of game? <laughs> no, okay. no, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay. You play Batman 1, then Batman 2. And right. then you play Batman 3. <laughs> All the way up to two, Batman 2, 5, 6. I think it's called. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, Batman. The championship edition won't be included in here, is it though? Yes, it, it is. is. That is by liar. far the best yeah, Batman. I don't know. I'm not playing <laughs> Pac-Man Museum. That's why it is my an, uh, underrated oh. one because that's one of my favorite games ever. Yes, Pac-Man Championship Edition is genuinely brilliant. Yes. Though it's not Championship Edition 2 is not in there. Good, because that one was a bit worse. Was it? I thought so. I can't remember. That one was really good. Josh, go play Championship Edition. I am it's not the... going to do that. Remember when Tetris Effect came out and me and Rich were like, go play Tetris Effect, because it's like a dinosaur game and it's cool again. Yeah, nice but... Nice little saddle on that dinosaur. The difference is, like, I used to actually like playing Tetris, yes. uh, but Pac-Man was never for me, because oh. I don't like those little ghost boys. <laughs> yeah, they good. frightening to be fair. Inky yeah. and Blinky and... and Okay. Timothy too. Uh, those are uh, witness protection names. I think they might be. Yeah. And speaking of other underrated slash hidden gems, I'm throwing this is this is my bread and butter. This indie stuff. It's always going to be my bread and butter. So I'm not take too long. Although actually no, let's do yours, Josh, because I've, I've <laughs> talked a hell of a lot. Yours most underrated and hidden gem is Evil Dead the game. Uh, Evil is also Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> next year, next year it's going to be Pac-Man. The just collection too. Well, they will have championship too in there. Uh, yeah, Evil Dead the game was something that I was looking forward to a lot, but was also a little trepidatious mm. about because it didn't get much buzz at all. It didn't have any reviews before it came out, and uh, asymmetrical multiplayer games aren't really uh, for me. Mm. I don't know if you know what this game is, James Dallas, but essentially you play as four heroes from the Evil Dead franchise, and another player, or in AI if you want, plays as a demon who essentially tries to stop the survivors from getting to the end of the level, completing their objectives. So they can spawn in um, monsters, they can spawn in traps, they can control monsters to try and take all of the survivors down. And it was just so much fun and so much more fun than I expected it to be because I didn't play this with like friends, I just played it with strangers, which I thought would be a nightmare. <laughs> but it's like straightforward enough that you can stick together and you don't have to do like loads of communication. It can be quite casual mm. if you want. Um, um, like it's a great love letter to the Evil Dead franchise if you like that uh, series, which I definitely do. A lot of deep cuts in terms of the characters and the law and some of the weapons and what have you. And ultimately, it's just like way more satisfying than I thought it would be to play. Like mm -hmm. it's gory as hell when you get like these finishes. The shooting is cool. The like loop of looting and then completing the objectives is fun. And mm. playing as the demon is great if you want to grief people. So I'm excited about this as like a starting point, and I want the developers to like commit to releasing content for it as the years go on. Because it's not um it's not Ilphonic that made this, but like it feels like this is becoming like a little genre for slasher stuff or like a genre for horror stuff because you've got the Predator game, the Friday the thirteenth game and now this. Um, and as someone who discovered Friday the thirteenth this year, I love this stuff. I like yeah. the whole approach of this thing. Um and I think that if you get the right kind of you can play with a bunch of people in person. I think that's a really fun energy as a good way to play like a horror game like this. But there's something about either playing as one of the survivors or playing as the demons um, and it all being controlled by real people that I think does really bring it to life and make it work. Um, I can't speak for Evil Dead stuff myself, but it sounds like each one of these games has nailed the fan side. Definitely. Um, Predator had tons of really cool skins. Um, same with the Friday the 13th stuff. Um, and it seems like Evil Dead's kind of another one of them yeah. in the best way. I think they've been lucky so far in that none of them, at least to my recollection, uh, has felt like it's exploiting the property. No. It feels like it's actually made by fans, uh, unlike 
like Square Enix's Avengers. You hey, know, sorry to drop that in yet again. Yes, but uh, like each one of these horror games just kind of feels like it's uh, created by people who are passionate about it. Like Evil Dead, the game like gets back old. I have voice actors to play the roles, even though they haven't played those roles in like 40 years right. or 30 years or whatever. I'm assuming Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is, doing is stuff, yeah. absolutely front and center. He plays like four versions of Ash. He's like, nice. he's, he's there. He can be whichever version of Bruce Campbell you want to play. But yeah, it makes me excited for stuff like um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like that's getting a, that's another one. a version of this um, next year, I think. Mm-hmm. So Dead like, by Daylight as well. Yeah. Similar thing. Obviously mm-hmm. all the stuff in Dead by Daylight. To be so. honest, that's probably why, isn't it? Because that's the oldest one of these. I, I yeah. Mean, in Dead by Paul Rowland. Because Dead by Dead by Daylight started introducing all of like the licensed horror mm-hmm. heroes and villains, and then I think people were like, oh, "We can just make like individual we, we games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they can be more than DLC. People seem to like this stuff." <laughs> but yeah, overall, um, the Evil Dead game, like you said, didn't get any coverage beforehand. Then it wasn't until you um, actually just on release day bought it and went, "It's actually pretty good." That it was like, "Oh, okay, like it is worthwhile." Um, overall, you are um, the marketing for that game. Pretty much. I hadn't heard of it before you mentioned it. Yeah. yeah. And you've done more uh, speaking on these podcasts than I guess most of their marketing department did before <laughs> release. Um, my underrated stuff, like I said, is my bread and butter. Um, I'll quickly shout out a few. One is Card Shark, which is a game about um, this European traveler from the 1700s uh, called Saint Germain. He was um, also the. Blew my mind, right? The same character that's in Castlevania. There's a Castlevania character called Saint Germain, um, who's a European sort of, I, I don't know, vagabond type dude, voiced by Bill Nye in the anime. No way. I know. He's brilliant. Really cool, sort of mysterious, suave man. Um, Card Shark is an indie game, um, sort of about like a, a roving band of traveling mu- uh, magicians, and um, Saint Germain joins up with them. And in the game, um, you're doing various like card tricks to sort of um, get money from people and scam people and stuff. But the game teaches you the actual card tricks as you learn them in the game. So, like, um, in real life you can learn how to do these tricks and they're really cool like i've only done two so far and um, from the very beginning but i just love that setup and the art and um, the art direction for it is really really cool the art design um, and it's written very well and i think the story overall has more to it than just um the card stuff but i think that game is really really cool it's only been out for a few weeks um but there's been a desert demo you can play as well uh windjammers 2 super solid follow-up to the original one brilliant one-on-one um versus game um i got the wrestling lads on that cedric versus hamflet i think hamflet won i don't remember anymore but that was a very um good time ollie ollie world um perfect encapsulation of everything that the first two games were going for and if you want an alternative skateboarding game like it's more side scrolling in terms of the camera perspective and everything i just think that game is, is like a full package like the soundtrack is phenomenal and um, which has very much been the soundtrack to my year so far yeah. lots of chill hop stuff lots of chill synth stuff um, but the mechanics are so tight and they roll them out sequentially so you, mm. you get it over time. And my last one is Slipstream, um, which is a game very like uh, OutRun or those old school, um, what was the name of Blast Processing style racers from the 90s? Now that stuff was made up as a term. But you know what I mean? Like it's like 3D yeah, yeah. Yeah. environment, 2D car sprite, um, just burning round corners at a million mile an hour. Right. Um, Slipstream is very much a love letter to that period in gaming. Um, and the music's brilliant. Again, Synthwave soundtrack, of course, because it's me. But still, next thing is the best gaming moments of the year. Now, hilariously, beautifully, poetically, both of you have the same thing, um, <laughs> which is beating the final boss in Elden Ring with each other. Together. Um, yeah, in Elden Ring, beating the Elden Beast. So either one of you want to take that, the beautiful time that was. Well, I don't want to take away from James Dowse's <laughs> actual victory, so I'm going to hand it over to that. him for this. You, you can add in whenever you feel like you need Thank to add you, in. Thank you, man. <laughs> so I was struggling with the Elden Beast boss for what a week was it i think it was a week or two at this point i was struggling i tried beaming in but me i was under level couldn't do a thing yeah you couldn't do a thing you tried your best but you'd not had enough (laughs) and then i thought i'd message josh and then josh came in 
And you, I think it was about two or three times you came in and every time we got so close. Yeah. And there was one time where it was a slither, a centimeter of a health on that boss. And I, oh my God, I screamed and I shouted and I <laughs> put my head in a pillow and cried. <laughs> I need I've, to explain that moment as well because it was so guttering. Like it was, a, it was such a battle of attrition. We'd been on that run for ages. Like none of us had any healing items. And <laughs> there is this one move that the Elden Beast does at range where it hits you with like a bunch of arcs of light. Yeah. And I think it throws three at you. Yep. It's the one move that I had down. Like mm. I could dodge that every time. And I was just thinking, we were going in for one final strike on the beast. It had literally no health on the bar. Because like, I died, it... and I had you guys on voice chat. So yes. I was just yeah. like listening, going like, the only looks at the crystal maze on the other side of the wall. It's like, are you doing okay? Yes. You guys okay? So when it went to do this like um, final attack, I was like, right, just go for me. Because one, if I die, it's fine. I disconnect. And two, I have this attack down. Please go for me. It didn't go for me. It went for James Dowse. And I got the finishing blow, but because James Dowse had died, it, the oh, sacrifice oh, meant nothing. Gosh. Anyway, sorry, carry on. I was so upset. But, but you still there. got the audio of you. I've got it. I need to post that on Twitter. When yeah. this goes live, I'll post it. <laughs> because, oh my God. And uh, I kept trying all night after you left. And I was like, Josh, man, I need you back. Yeah. So like 9 p.m. on a Friday night, Josh Brown comes back. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so he just went, he did it and that was it. And then I just rinsed it in the new game plus twice. It was just that. like but that moment was something else. Yeah, because it became like a real kind of job. Like we were playing it like yeah. on lunch breaks, which is why we had to stop eventually. <laughs> you know, we were playing it on lunch breaks. We were playing it on a Friday night. And I remember like turning to my girlfriend and I was like, like I'm not going to be there for tea tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's house needs work. Duty calls. I've got stuff to do. Calls, and it was just a, such a satisfying moment because, yeah. uh, like, it's what I love about um, Elden Ring. This kind of like post game or end game, I guess you would describe it as when you're helping other people, is that it scales uh, mm -hmm. the difficulty to whoever you're beaming in with. So it's like, you can't be a high level character and come in and just trounce the boss. Like you mm -hmm. still need to try. So it's still a challenge. And if anything, it's, it's, it's more of a challenge and certainly a different style of challenge when you're juggling two other people or one other mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. you're trying to keep alive. And it was just like, it was thrilling yeah, to like yeah. do that fight with both of you guys and, uh, yeah kind of be there for that Because I was painfully under-leveled for the back third of Elden Ring. Like, I fought yeah. the fire giant 50 levels below what you were. God, like, that's yeah, why it took yeah. me 50 odd tries to do it, like, almost literally. Um, so when I was beaming, I was like, I'll beam it and help James out. Yeah, yeah. This is fine. <laughs> um, and then just got absolutely thwomped. Like, we got to the Elden Beast, mm -hmm. but I just couldn't survive against any of the splash damage yeah. stuff. And um, we're just getting tagged by anything. And well, then, There was yeah. the boss with you where it was the dragon, wasn't it, in the windy area? At yeah, the um, um, Placida Sacks or whatever it's whatever called. It that's it, man. Yeah. Me and Josh came in for that one. Yes. Helps you out for that. But yes, that was, that was great too. I think that was the final one we all did together. It was. Yes, that, that was my was last you trophy. Completing it. Yeah. 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 yeah that's that's a magical time. It isn't was it? great. Yeah. And that's why I can't. It can't be anything else for Game of the Year. No. Like, those I memories man. are just. Yeah, and I think else. they're they're sort of made that much more magical or, or awesome because that world is so huge and yeah. it's like, okay, beam in and help me in this spot and you're sort of like you set the little point for people to help you and then you're waiting for everyone to arrive and it's like yeah, those moments are like magical. They're yeah. they're, they're elevated by everything else. Um, <laughs> speaking of being elevated by everything else, uh, my gaming moment is just playing AEW and WWE 2K22. <laughs> this year is when I rediscovered my love for wrestling. It's been 20 whatever it is, yeah. It's been a long right. time. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys, I know Josh was, uh, or Mr. James Stiles, were you in the wrestling boom of the early 2000s? Don't know what that is. Good <laughs> stuff. There was a whole thing when WWF was flying back in the day, when everybody, quote unquote everybody, used to watch wrestling. Right. Everyone knew their Stone Colds and their Rocks and, and Triple H's and whatever. 
And then wrestling got a bit naff and it got a bit embarrassing and it got a bit terrible. And so a lot of people just went, I'm all right. I don't need this. And a lot of people stuck with it, whatever. But like uh, people like me, the the wider sort of like Fairweather fan who used to bleed it back in the day, but gave up on it, just sort of didn't bother. And then in real life, a dude called CM Punk, who was a big old deal in wrestling, came across and like helped sort of um, uh, propel AEW, which is a new wrestling organization. Um, to do stuff, and they have a game coming out, but because of just how varied the customization suite is in the official WWE game, and the fact that they actually made a good WWE game, or a good wrestling game, um, for the first time in, I don't even know how long, 10 years, um, the 2K games have been a laughing stock for so long. Um, that combination of stuff, using this incredible customization suite, which just lets you make all the people that you'll want to make from the rival company, even the devs, which is like, must be such a weird contract dispute thing, have put in the official animations for the entrance of the wrestlers that aren't on the roster but right. are from their rival company um, that just called something else. Like, you can just play as, like, you know, I think um, Kenny Omega, who's, like, a big deal in AEW, his entrance is in the wrestling game, but it's called, like, the Omega One or something because okay. those names wouldn't be uh, copyright. But overall, it was just that thing of, like, I haven't played a wrestling game since, like, SmackDown versus Raw 2007 or something because I kept going with the games after wrestling was terrible. Um, and just doing all that, I was like, I can download the rings, I can download the superstars, I can get all their special moves, I can do all this stuff, and just sit in there like a like a little weirdo, just going <laughs> like, this is the best thing in the world. So I, I'm still loving the wrestling, and I'm loving AEW inside WWE 2K22. I've not done a single WWE match in that game, because <laughs> why would I? I don't need, don't need that roster whatsoever. Um, other than some of the people that came across the AEW who were in WWE, you can just use their, um, use their character models. But yeah, that was my thing. Um, we should pivot into the final stuff, which is the most anticipated for the rest of the year. Josh Brown, you said Lord of the Rings Gollum. You are Lord of the Rings Gollum. Lord of the Rings Gollum. Not yeah. only the most anticipated game of this year, but I would argue the most anticipated game of any year. <laughs> Who isn't looking forward to this title, my friend? <laughs> Every time they show this game, it just I don't. It just doesn't. I wish we should clarify, this isn't your actual pick. Is your it, actual budget, well, internally. <laughs> I think it is. Your, your spirit animal there is maybe Gollum. Um, but yeah, every time they show that game off, it looks. I think it looks worse. Which but, is why. Which is why. It's my most anticipated game of the year because, like, who knows what this thing well, is going to be. That's the thing, considering how weirdly Modern Warfare 2 has been shown, is there a world where Lord of the Rings Gollum lands better than Modern Warfare 2? Genuinely, maybe. Like, that's my <laughs> real most anticipated game of the year, if mm-hmm. we're, if we're ha- if I have to, you know, choose a proper one. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, Modern Warfare is only my, like, most anticipated game of 2022, like, yes. by default at yeah. this point. It's because of how much I love the previous game rather than what I have seen. Mm. So, yeah, there absolutely is a world. Genuinely, I'm speaking properly now where Modern Warfare 2 comes out and it's disappointing and Lord of the Rings Gollum comes out and it is great. Who knows? I don't, I I mean, part of me would like that reality to come true just for the sake of the sheer surprise of it. Um, But yeah, Modern Warfare 2 um, obviously had a bit of a mixed reception to some of the gameplay they've shown off. Look, just, I mean, obviously there's always the undercurrent of it's more Call of Duty, um, but we'll see how that game kind of comes together. It's following on the most well-received game in quite some time with the original one. Uh, Mr. James Dow's your most anticipated game is Stray. What a pick. Of course it is. What a pick. Of course it is. I adore that kind of art style, like, um, what was it called? Uh, Ghost Runner. Yes. Cyberpunk. And Cyberpunk, obviously, Uh yeah, Cyberpunk. But, like, that, just playing as a cat, going around a world that's full of robots and stuff, and, like, lick yourself and all that kind of (laughs) stuff. 
<laughs> Mate, it's crazy. Like the possibilities in that game will be endless. Did you play a dog's life on PlayStation 2? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Every single week in the uh, choose your own adventure videos, I always put a clip of Dog's Life really? in it just to take the mick because nobody knows what game that is, <laughs> other than to entertain myself. So As I'm well you should. A dog's life on PlayStation 2, which I've just realized I can get that on the Steam Deck. Yeah, you can. I'm that when I go back upstairs. But um yeah, that whole game, like why is there not any more animal protagonists in literal animal protagonists, not animal in clothes? I mean like oh, a like, like an actual okay, dog. Yeah. This is where yeah. I ag- I agree. Hedge- like Sonic doesn't have clothes. No, no, but I mean an actual mate. like ah, like sorry, a realistic yeah, uh, no. Give me a realistic hedgehog game. Where's that? <laughs> <laughs> where is that? <laughs> that would be Ooh. What I would love Go on. is uh the hedgehog game, but you play as the hedgehogs from the UK you adverts. Across the road, yeah. You teach it to cross the road and you yeah. have to get across the road. But they have little raincoats on being squished. Yeah, 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 really? Little, little yeah, umbrellas. Visas, yeah. Only when it rains though, surely. <laughs> <laughs> they got high business on. That's the deal. That makes it too easy. That's the easy mode. <laughs> that's yeah. true, that's DLC attire. Yeah. That's there. That's pig, for the deluxe version. Pig wear clothes? Again, not a realistic animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's a pig. <laughs> it's not a she's barely a pig. Give although give me an actual pig pig. And I'm back in. I mean, give me that. But um, I don't know what we were saying. So yeah, Dog's cats. Life, great yes. game. Yes. But Stray is absolutely something I'm very much looking forward to. Mm. Um, I just want to play as a cat in a cyberpunk world. I am so curious how open that game is because every time they show it, they show the city, but they show a very specific corridor, mm. a very specific pathing that the, uh, the cat is taking throughout it. And it seems like the cat or you as the player are responding to certain contextual prompts that make yeah. you jump up in certain ways. I'm yet okay. to really see it open up. They've sort of shown like um, the back Backpack that you have on, <laughs> cow with the backpack is making me laugh. But um, you sort of like you ha- you you bank like a hack, and then you can walk up to a certain thing in the world. You can use that hack, and you yeah. go to the next thing. I just I do want the cat simulation game, and so I, I wonder how on rails it's going to be and how story focused it's going to be. Do you want me to change my pick to Goat Simulator Three? No, I want you to live your best life. But I, I'm very curious what Stray will be. Before on, we move on, could I um, ask a question to the floor to, to the yes, two uh, Sonic, you know, authorities? Oh, do you want to do Josh's room? Sonic question of the week? I can do this. Yeah. Is, this is going to be the the question every week. Does have we ever in canon seen Sonic's feet? No. Are they hooves? Like they look like hooves? Yeah, it's like shoes, are like big rounded hooves, aren't they? They look, uh, kind of look like hooves. No, no, no. That's just the. It's like uh, Sauroff Kingdom Hearts' his shoes, just big. Ah, shoes. like clown yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah. Does Sonic have toes? Is the question I'm asking Absolutely. right now. Have we seen them? Oh, I don't know if he has. He has little, have you dreamt them? He has little, uh, little toenails, though. He has little three little claws. Is that true? Well, this is what I'm do asking. Hedgehogs man. have toes. I don't know. I guess they kind of do. When he turns into that were beast, he has clo- uh, claws. Yeah, I suppose so. D- does he take his shoes off then? Well, that's why I'm asking the authorities. I think he does, but he has very like furry feet. I just uh, He's got th- whoa. What? How's about our audience sends you pictures that? of Sonic with sh- like his feet out? Please send them to my. Okay, home. he he maintains Please. his feet when he's the werehog. So right. okay. no one, like I said, no one's ever seen Sonic's feet. Was he? Oh, that's outrageous. That's you, why would he get his, he's always got his little shoes I on. suppose he wouldn't want to do that for free anyway. No, that's the thing. Those shoes cost a lot to get in. They're Michael Jackson shoes. So he's not going to throw them away. Has it been his, was it the 35th anniversary this year? Of Sonic? Yeah. Uh, yeah was no. it the 30th? It, 31st. Okay, 35th he'll get his feet out. Have they ever done a gag where you see Sonic's closet and it's just like loads and loads of the same shoes <laughs> over and over again? I don't because think he, he ever must, changes. He must burn those, the soles out and those things mm. out quite quickly. Possibly. They are his feet. That would be cool. Well, if I can cite Sonic Cannon in the yeah. original uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comics where he's originally a brown hedgehog and he undergoes the um, yeah. the medical sort of scientific procedure from uh, Dr. Ivo Kintobar before he's Robotnik, um, he fuses with the shoes. He gives him specially designed science shoes. Right. He says the new speeds you'll be doing, you're going to need these shoes. 
And so, like, that's when he becomes blue because he runs so fast. And he sort of has these shoes on. And then, uh, and then at the same time, there's an explosion, and and Doctor Ivo Kinterbar merges with an egg, Does and he? then he becomes oh, Eggman. Eggman, and then awesome. Sonic calls him Eggman, and he's like, oh, "My name's Rob- Robotnik," and then that's uh, canon. This is why canon. I came to you too. Thanks this, so much for this. Yeah, yeah Sonic that was, comics. That was well done, man. That's the law. I, I think I did a video about that. You might have. I think there's a video. We'll do another. I think somewhere on the channel is me discovering that years ago and going, I need to make a video about this. If you did that, like in ASMR, yeah. and recorded it, I would listen to that every night. No, you, no I didn't, you didn't do that in the recall, did I you? I don't wee myself, Scott. Stop it. Stop <laughs> weeing yourself, James Dars. Um So, most anticipated stuff, um, Lord of the Rings, Golden Modern Warfare 2, and Stray. My two picks are Callisto yeah, Protocol, yep. because there's nothing better than what's being shown off. Callisto Protocol looks like just, just such an immaculate-looking game, to be honest. And we talked about it a lot on the various podcasts since. Um, these um, sh- these streams have gone down. Um, so I will throw in my other two, which are Midnight Fight Express, um, made by one dude. I need to look up this guy's name because it's developed by one guy. Um, and I finally played Midnight Fight Express on my Steam Deck because I'm a PCsman oh, now. Um, I can spell it and everything. So PC, I got um, the demo for it. <laughs> and um, that game, I don't think it's written very well. I think it's written to be badass and it comes across quite cringe. But it does play incredibly well with a soundtrack by Noise Cream. Phenomenal synthwave artist. Um, but yeah, that game, super, uh, really, really cool 3D brawler with insane um, weight to everything you do. Um, and you can just hold one of the shoulder buttons and just do a suplex whenever you want. Nice. Just sort of do a finisher whenever you want. Um, throw in different parts of the environment to people. It's kind of my dream game. And my only other one is Season, um, which is a game about a sort of traveler that's putting together. I think the point of the game is putting together a song based on recording different things they come across, whether it be the flap of a butterfly's wings or whatever. Um, but that game looks gorgeous. It's got a sort of extended look across the last few days. Um, so those would be mine. So collectively, it's whatever I just said. <laughs> Why? Plus, close to Protocol, Midnight Fire Express, and Season. Why did you not say Sonic Frontiers? Because that game looks horrendous. Yeah, it does. does he get his shoes off? He's not going to ever get his shoes off, <laughs> Josh. Not, not even in Sonic Frontiers. I think if he got his shoes off... His that would feet be... are the new Frontier. I mean, maybe eventually. Maybe. No one even knows why that game's called. Do you know? Have you seen the plot for that, James Stars? No. He's lost his. He's lost his mind. Lost his plot. <laughs> he's literally. He's amnesia. He's got amnesia. He's amnesia. He's amnesia. Sonic the amnesia. So he's woke up in this unreal. So he. So yeah. He's land. he's lost his mind. Marbles, whatever you call it. And he's waking up in this other land. And the whole point of the game is that he has to go around and try and find Amy Tails Knuckles. It's kind of oh, Sonic okay. Generations, I guess. But like that's how they're justifying the world is empty and not and we don't know what's going on and that's why he's not looking for anyone. Or he doesn't know what's going on, and he's punching and kicking now, or whatever he's doing. <laughs> you'd and like, so, yeah. you'd freak out if you just woke up one day and you were Sonic the Hedgehog. You had no <laughs> idea how. You'd be like, "Where do these shoes come from?" I'll take shoe like <laughs> You in these shoes? Um, we will see what state Sonic Frontiers lands in uh, later in the year. But it's it's, it's you know, hopefully he lands on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> With that. This has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by James Dowd. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. And Josh Brown. Oh, goodbye. I will catch you next time. See ya. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.